I'm Jordan Kistner, author of the essay collection, Thin Places, and this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new, and the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. Drew, I got to do a really fun thing, which was to call Ross Gay and ask him about his garden. <gasps> it was, um, I, we had been thinking about calling up Ross for this um, this little roundup because of the way that he just writes so incredibly beautifully about all things, but um, especially about gardening and plant mm-hmm. life and kind of tending, tending his world. And I wanted to know what he was planting and what he was excited about. And he uh, he said lots of things that I'm excited for people to hear, but in particular, he's growing something called a gumi. Uh, sorry, a what? A gumi. Uh, and I'm unfamiliar. Yeah, I don't know what that is either, but and I tried <laughs> to... I just, <laughs> apparently, you can eat it. Um, and okay. he, gives, he gives a description of it that uh, really made me giggle. So I'm excited for you to hear it. Hi, it is so nice to hear your voice again after some months. Same, same, yeah. What's spring looking like in in your garden? What are you tending right now? It's crazy that you ask because just yesterday as I was heading out of uh, the house to go um, hang out for a little bit at the picket line, the IU graduate student workers are on strike. and, um, And I went out the door in the morning and there's a bush called Gumi, which is one of the most delicious bushes ever, uh, delicious fruits ever, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Gumi? Gumi, it's called, yeah. And it what's also it, has... Sorry, it like? go keep going. Yeah, I was going to say, what's it taste like? Well, it's there's a kind of... Um, I read a really interesting description of it that I can't quite remember, but it's sort of a tart, you know, um, like a tart... Um, God... It tastes like gumi. <laughs> it's also a beautiful berry. It's you know, it's sort of like a jewel. It's red and sort of tiny, um, tiny kind of silver speckles on the berry. But the flower itself is also among the most you know wonderful smells on this planet. So I went out the house, went out of the house, and I saw that the the flowers had emerged, um, and I went to smell them, and there was no scent. Um, and I went off and I came back later in the day and the flowers had, and one of the flowers had opened. Um, and just that little flower, it's tiny, you know, it's a, it's, you know, smaller than like your, your pinky fingernail. Um, and it was so fragrant, this one flower on this bush that will, you know, has, you know, I don't know, a thousand flowers on it. Um, maybe way more. That's a thing. The gummies are coming. The, the bush cherries have already bloomed and, Um, the garlic is coming up very strong. It's a funny thing, you know, that (laughs) every year I, I realized this year that every year, you know, I've I've grown garlic the last, I don't know, 14 years or something. And every single year, I wonder if the garlic's going to come up. (laughs) And, (laughs) And when it comes up, I feel like this profound, um, relief. I'm like, oh my God, it came (laughs) (laughs) What are you worried it's just going to get lost down there? I don't know. I'm just going to, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, that's basically what it does. You know, like, you put it in and it comes up. It's happened that way the last 14 years that I've done it anyway. (laughs) But I did realize that every year I am kind of like, 
you know, I had like a little thing about faith and all that. Um, like, you know, when you kind of doubt, you kind of have some doubt, you know, but still it's like, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> um, so the garlic's coming up. Um, tomorrow is a root day on the biodynamic calendar. So we will be putting in a um, bunch of potatoes and um, potting up some other stuff. and That's some stuff that's going on. You planting anything uh, new this year that you're excited about? Um, let's see. Well, you know, I kind of had a realization. <clears throat> I always grow sweet potatoes and potatoes, and I love them both. Um, I would say I love them both equally, actually. I love them equally. <laughs> um, but sweet potatoes store so damn good, you know? And <laughs> it's an amazing plant for all kinds of reasons, you know, in addition to the deliciousness of the tubers. It's not like an advertisement today. Um, <laughs> in addition to the deliciousness of the tubers, you know, you can eat the greens, which are really good. And um, I just learned that maybe eating more of the greens, like, you know, pruning the greens a little bit makes the tubers get bigger. I just, I've heard that a couple of times. So I'm going to do a little bit more of that, but I think we're going to grow more sweet, sweet potatoes this year, like a bigger, um, more intensive crop of that. Um, I'm always trying to go hard on beans and, and grow a new bean or something. So we got, um, we missed the fava bean window a little bit, but there's some other beans. I can't remember what they are, but, but they're out there. There's also some like giant kales and collards that, that, uh, I came upon and I'm going to try to grow some giant kales and collards. Oh my God. That sounds, that sounds like it's going to look amazing and probably taste amazing (laughs) too. But I'm just thinking of, cause kale is already kind of a, kind of grows big. I mean, not yeah. every kind, but it kind of grows big. So giant kale, I'm imagining sort of a Jack and the Beanstalk situation. Totally. Yeah. There's some that are, the picture on the seed packet anyway, is like, you know, it's the size of like, you know, like <laughs> it would be like from my fingertips to my armpit. It's, <laughs> oh my it's, God. It's really big. If that happens or not, you know, we'll see. <laughs> um, And then is there... Do you have like spring rituals, even in your garden or in your, in your writing? Mm, Spring rituals in the writing. Well, in the garden, there's definitely the rituals and the rituals are sort of like, you know, in a certain kind of way, it's usually around this time of year too. There's a kind of, okay, now we're gardening again um, in an earnest way, which might mean like, you know, mowing a little bit, starting to kind of, um, <laughs> like I was looking outside, you know, and I'm, uh, I have, <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know, I have like a barbell and weights like right in the middle of like outside the back door, like on the gravel, which is kind of a gardening place. <laughs> you know, I'll be putting the barbell back into the the shed, you know, <laughs> because now we'll be around, you know, these raised beds and stuff, gardening a lot. Um, one of the, one of the early spring rituals. Um, yeah. I like the idea of it being a ritual, but it's a pattern for sure is, is a, a lot of dandelion consumption, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of dandelions. And now's the time of year to start throwing them in everything and making fritters out of them. And like, 
they'll go in like my veggie burgers and they'll go in the pastas and everything else. Because um, they're just like, they just, boom, they came, they came hard. I feel like the the big themes that we kept hearing in these conversations in the last six weeks was responsibility and like personal concern and also change. Looking at this thing that you're like, oh my God, what I don't, I'm just so amazed and out of control of this process while also feeling like, oh dog. <laughs> uh, I too, I'm out of control. <laughs> that's, I don't, that's a, a dog. I don't know his name yet. He's new to the, that's not to the next. That's another oh, dog. Oh, no, no, no. <gasps> yeah, yeah. That's oh, wow. another dog um, that's got a lot of, a lot of pipes and wants to talk a lot. Uh, and I don't know his name yet. <laughs> anyway, um, whatever. I'm going to proceed because, you know, the world around us <laughs> persists. But the thing I was trying to point out is that it feels like there's that dual feeling of like perplexity of like, oh my God, the the world, the world, the natural world around me is just like proceeding in this way that I can barely comprehend. And also yeah. this feeling of total personal implication and concern. Yeah. I think one of the, the most fun things that has come out of doing these little end episodes is that while we're editing the full episodes in between, we get to kind of strategize about what little segments, what little fragments we want to save so that we can just air them here. Like maybe they mm -hmm. don't fit in the conversation, but we can like sequester them away like little treasures that we can uh, air here. And this one... I really, really liked. It was just a little, it was actually, I mean, the thing that you know well, which is often we sort of end the interview and then keep chatting with the person because mm -hmm. why not? Um, and this was that segment from Adrienne Marie Brown. We like ended the interview and then kept chatting and she just said a bunch of incredibly thoughtful and interesting and inspiring things about authorship and the role of the author and deep listening and branding or choosing not to brand. And, uh, and so here it is. When I finished writing that book, I had a sense of completion that I have not really ever experienced again. Like of just like that, that was, tr that is already true and had to be expressed. And if it hadn't been me who expressed it, someone else is going to get it done, but it just is true and needed to be expressed. Um, so I'm always grateful when I hear that from people, because I'm like, yes, I agree. <laughs> you know, we need we need yeah. this and more of this. It's like, it feels like a lot of the experience of reading that book was that seeing language um, finally put to something that felt like, uh, like I could sense that those ideas must be there because I had desire that pointed in that direction. Yes, If that exactly. makes sense, it's like, totally. I wanted that. I wanted that in the world. I wanted somebody to to say that this was possible. Yeah. I just never even figured out the language for that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I feel grateful because so many writers have done that for me. You know, like that that's part of what we do as writers is we're giving a language to our time. We're giving a language to our place. And, you know, we want to be responsible in that. Like, it's part of why I'm very kind of against like, branding stuff, you know, a branding language or whatever. Cause I'm just like, well, I don't think we're meant to be branding this stuff. You know, I think we're meant to be finding the, the language by which we get free 
and not the language by which we get paid. Um, so I'm right. always like, you know, in this dance and I get a lot of push from people of like, why don't you make more products of your products? You know, like, why don't you, I don't know, just co-opt, co-opt yourself, <laughs> you know? And a lot of my, I don't know, a lot of this period of my life has been just being like, I'm good on that. Like, I don't, I'm not interested. I don't really promote my work even, you know, I'm just like, if it's of use to people, they'll find it, they'll read it and they'll share it with other people who will be of use to. Um, and I will just keep listening. You know, I think that that is a huge part of the job of a writer or any artist is that deep, deep listening. Like what is true right now? What needs to be expressed that's not getting expressed? You know, what feeling needs to be felt collectively? Let's write that down. Welcome to our Pals and Alums Corner. Where we find out <laughs> we what's should going come up with on segment names like <laughs> with former thresholds guests. Uh, Alex Kleeman wrote a fantastic profile of Michelle Yeoh around the same time that everything, everywhere, all at once came out. Um, highly recommend reading it if you haven't yet, and then go see the movie too. Yeah, Alex is incredibly like is famous for her fiction, but is actually a also a brilliant writer of profiles. Mm -hmm. She just, she writes the hell out of her profile. I'm always really excited when she writes one. Uh, Melissa Phoebos won a Guggenheim. Low key, really casual. um, And also published her new book, which is a craft book about writing called Bodywork. And it's really beautiful. It's really good. Um, This is a fun one. And I found it as I was, Doing the New York Times crossword, Susan Orlean was an answer in the crossword. How clue? How how clue? How clue? How cool? <laughs> how very clue of her? How very clue? Yeah. Uh, and lastly, we have the great, the illustrious, the energetic Margot Jefferson, who was profiled really beautifully, I thought, in New York Magazine uh, recently because her book, her recent memoir. Constructing a nervous system uh, is out, and it is so incredibly good. It's so, uh, oh man, so my god, it's so good. Just like every page is blowing, blows my mind. Um, and anyway, go read. Congrats to Margot. Go read the profile. Go read the book. Uh, she's the best. They're all the best. They're all the best. They're all the best. Uh, I'm. Very excited that we're making this a recurring part of these endnotes, which is reaching out to somebody to get some book recommendations. And we went to Typo's owner, Ed Young, for some book recs. I love that. that I love the idea of his uh, descriptor of his explanatory comma being Typo's owner. Not yeah. like Pulitzer Prize winner, but no, <laughs> Typo's dad, Ed Young. Anyway, Typo's dad. Coming in hot with book recommendations. Hi, this is Ed Yong. Um, I really loved um, Rachel Gross's book, Vagina Obscura, which came out, I think, just a couple of months ago, um, about the science of women's bodies um, and how that has changed in really a 
quite remarkably recent time frame um, and all the forces that meant that we radically misunderstood um, basic parts of the anatomy of half the people on the planet. Um, Rachel's Rachel's work is fantastic. The book is scathing and wonderful and necessary. Um, I also loved Mary Roach's book, Fuzz, um, about animals breaking the law, about conflict between humans and animals. Um, Mary, needless to say, is easily the funniest science writer um, working today uh, and one of the most astute. Um, Her book is an absolute joy at a moment when joy is really needed. And finally, I've been reading Sabrina Imbler's um, book, um, How Far the Light Reaches. Um, Sabrina is just a phenomenal talent and in this book they master um both memoir and nature writing improbably and fuse them together in these essays where sabrina's life acts as metaphor for the creatures of the ocean and the creatures of the ocean act as metaphor for their life um it's just singular transcendental profound writing of the highest caliber and the fact that it is Sabrina's first book is just outrageous. It's frankly rude. How dare. Um, That book is not out yet. It will be out in December and I urge you to look out for it because um, it's truly something special and I wanted to have the highest possible success. That's it for me. Please enjoy those books. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. That little piece of music is called Bug Sunrise, and it was made by our in-house composer and sound editor, Laura Faye Oshwood, AKA Arthur Moon. And Drew and I thought it would be fun to ask Laura Faye a couple questions about the composition process for the little interstitial sound bites that you hear. Okay, I think we should hear, like in this moment, without Laura Faye present, just ask some of the questions we have about Bug Sunrise, like <laughs> for Laura Faye to find in the audio and answer it. <laughs> yeah. Laura Faye, how do you name these songs? Why Bug Sunrise? Uh, yeah, and I really, is it like, does the name come first sometimes? Are you sitting there thinking, let me make the sounds of a bug sunrise? Or is that just the best descriptor that comes to mind? Hi. So yes, I I make the composition and then I go back and listen and and name it after what I think it sounds like. So, uh, but I try to be loose and quick with it. So I'm looking through my library here and I have I have Bug Sunrise. I have I have Macaroni Necklace. I have Metal Ice Cream, Popsicles and Hay. Swiss Cheese is one of my recent favorites. Um, Glitch Chorus. Yeah. I also want to know where does the, where does, like, what's in the library of bleep bloops? Like, is there a library of bleep mm, bloops mm-hmm. that, that is being pulled from? Or is it, I mean, because I don't know, sometimes Laura just like whips out the the voice memos on an, on an iPhone and records something weird. Like, mm-hmm. spent spent a day, I think they spent a day or a morning recording a dishwasher sound. Sure. So is it is there a library somewhere that these these uh, sounds go into that get pulled back out? Is there an archive and can we hear something else from it? Okay, here's my latest field recording. 
I don't know what it is. It's labeled swoosh, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play you a piece of it. Okay, yeah, that's our that's our kitchen countertop. Let me make you something like in relationship to to Bug Sunrise. Gumi, it's called, yeah. You know, um it tastes like it tastes like gumi. <laughs> it's so but like we should probably call that gumi swoosh gumi. And I think with that, mm-hmm. I think we got it. I think that was everything we needed. I think that's everything we need. All right, cool. Thresholds is a production of Lit Hub Radio. We're produced by Drew Broussard and Justin Alvarez. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshwood of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Kirsten Huber. Special thanks to Farrar Strauss and Drew. I'm Jordan Kistner. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jordan.kistner. We'll see you next week.